0: They said I couldn't do it, Said it was impossible. I didn't call the homies and say, yo, y'all messed up. You bet on the wrong horse. I said, dude, I'm here, and I'm invited, and I'm welcome. What do you want to do? Where do you want to go?
1: That's Andre Norman, and this is The Depression Detox Show. Hello and welcome back to the Depression Detox Show, where we share ideas and stories to help you live a happier life. I am your host, Malik Josephs. Happy Wednesday. I am grateful for you joining me today with a great talk by a new feature speaker who I actually discovered reading a book. I'm currently still reading the book. And it is entitled, Personality Isn't Permanent, which is a great, great read so far. And in his book, he shares a story of today's featured speaker. And his story was so compelling that I had to sh- find a clip and I had to share it with you all because it's an amazing story about redemption. So without further ado, let's jump right into this one with Andre Norman. Enjoy. Enjoy.
0: Born in Boston, my mom married a high school sweetheart, she had two kids. Everything was great except for he robbed banks for 11 and he went to prison. While he was in prison, she met my dad, a local drug dealer. She had had four more kids. And six kids, mom, dad, everything's great, except my dad had a habit of beating up my mom. So I grew up in a house where I watched my mother be beat routinely. And I didn't know that this wasn't normal because I didn't live in your house. This is just what I know. And you just deal with it. You come home, and there's crying and screaming. You come home and there's cookies on the table. You're sitting at the table, at the table eating dinner, everything's great, and dad reaches over and slugs mom. And you get used to it. In the 70s, it wasn't called domestic violence. It was called handling your household. And that's just what I grew up in. I finally got old enough to go to school. I got on the bus, and I went to the school. I'm playing. I'm like, I'm the kid that came home missing clothes. So if I didn't come home missing clothes, I didn't have a great day. I come home like, where's your shoe at? I'm like, I don't know, but I had a great day, mom. Come home with somebody else's jacket on, that's not the I, Hey, mama had a great day. I mean, I just love going to school because there's so many kids and they were different and we could just play all day. And I got on the bus, we're coming home, we're laughing, we're joking and we hit the corner and we're almost home and the next you know, rocks came crashing through our bus window. And behind the rocks came some names. And I'm sitting on the bus and rocks are crashing. I fall to the floor, I'm a first grader, I'm a little kid. I'm crying, I'm watching my cousin bleed from his face because he got cut by the glass. When we get home, I go into the house, I go up to the big guy, my dad. I said, who are these people? Why are they throwing rocks at me? Nobody's ever thrown rocks at me before. And what are these names? I've never heard these names before. I need you to take a second and just be my dad. And your son walks into the house and says, dad, what do these names mean? Why are they calling me these names? Why are they throwing rocks at me, dad? My father looked at me. I looked at him, I'm waiting for the dad-son interaction, and he walks away. And I'm left standing there not understanding this, but I found out as an adult, my father grew up in a town called Petersburg, Virginia. And when he was 14, kids threw rocks names at him. My grandfather told him, that's just the way it is, son, protect your sisters and run faster. So when it happened to his kids, he was twice traumatized. And that's just what it was. And one day, the rock started, and one day, the rock stopped. And for my mom, one day the beating started. One day the beating stopped. I came home from school, and they said, Dad's gone. What do you mean, Dad's gone? He's gone. Single mom, six kids living in the city. We bounce around. We try to find some place. We find a new place. We go to a new school. And in the third grade, I find out something. I'm illiterate. I can't read and write, just like my dad. But it wasn't a problem. They had a thing called the dummy class, where they took all the little kids who couldn't read and stuck us at the end of the hall. And that's where they put me at the end of the whole dummy class. And while I was in there, there was a teacher named Ms. Oliver who pulled me out of the dummy class. She said, you're not a dummy, you just learn differently. And she took the time to teach me my learning style. And when, she, when I finished the third grade, I was on track. I got to middle school, I could read and write like the other kids, but I found out something in middle school, I was poor. So I had to go to the park after school to sell drugs, to buy clean socks, and to buy new shoes, and to not be made fun of, and I did that. And by the time I got to high school, I was just a mess. I just went off the tracks, and I could give you the whole rundown of me crashing and bumping, going to jail. But at the end of the day, I ended up in state prison at 18 with a 100-year sentence. And when I got there, the gang members received me. They said, we'll keep you safe, and we'll show you how this works. So for six years, I ran with the gangs, and I did everything gangs do. I stabbed people. I fought people. I fought on airplanes. You've seen Con Air. I've lived it. I've made them land planes twice. I was all in 100%. Then I woke up one day, and I realized something. I'm the king of nowhere. I'm the king of nothing. Nobody cared that I was this king of this prison in the middle of nowhere. So I came up with a concept that I could do and be better. And I wanted to be successful. So I said, successful people go to college. So I'll go home and go to college. And that's what I'll be. So I picked a school called Harvard University. And when I picked it, I came out my cell the next day. I got the dudes. Guy, I said, check this out, fellas. I figured it out. They said, what's up? I said, I'm going home. I'm going to Harvard. I'm going to be successful. They looked at me. So I said it again. I said, yo, I figured it out. I'm going home. I'm going to go to Harvard. I'm going to be successful. It was like silence like this. They wanted to laugh at me. Really. They wanted to laugh at me by had a habit of stabbing people. <laughs> so nobody laughed. Then my buddy pulled me to the side and said, Dre, what are you talking about? You can't go to Harvard. I said, why? He said, you're a gang member. He said, you're poor. You're one of us. This is our space. This is our allotment in life. I'm like, no, this is my dream. And I walked away from my friends. And I went by myself and I wrote out my little plan. I came up with a plan. I said, these are the things that I want. Harvard University. I looked in the mirror. I said, what's inside of me that's stopping this dream from happening? I stopped blaming other people. It's not my dad's fault. It's not my mom's fault. It's not the kids who threw rocks at me's fault. What's inside of me that is stopping this from happening? And I made a list of those things. I started working on them. I got my GED. Then I went to a thing called anger management class because I had a slight anger management problem. It wasn't bad. And after anger management, I started going to counseling. I started going to therapy. I started going to everything that wasn't nailed down. I ran out of stuff. And they finally said, um, they took me to a thing called AA. I said, I don't drink, though. They said, just sit down. They said, when you hear us talk about drinking, they're substituted for anger. They took me to NA. They said, you hear us talk about drugs, substituted for anger. They said, "Dreg, you can't always get it perfect. You have to make work what is. So everything that was there, I did. And for the next eight years of my life, 20 hours a day, I studied. And on November 15, 1999, I walked out of prison. When I walked out, I had a goal and a dream to go to Harvard University and be successful. I went to a local juvenile center, and I started talking to kids. I told them, you're going to jail not because you're black. You're going to jail because somebody let you down, hurt your feelings, and you don't know how to handle that. So you act out, and you start doing stuff, and it's criminal, and they lock you up. Let me show you how to handle your feelings, then you'll be better. And every day, for the first 90 days, I'm in that juvie center. And they said, hey, Drake, can you talk to the girls? I went to the girls' side. Molestation, beatings, domestic violence, drugs, prostitution. It was horrible. And I started talking to the girls about how they can be whole. And when I walked out of there, I was like, never again will I judge somebody based on my ignorance. If you call me, I'll show up. And that's really simple and straightforward. I started doing the work that I've been doing. I've worked in Honduras. I've worked in Guatemala. I've worked in Saudi Arabia. I became one of the top speakers in YPO and EO. I got my fellowship in 2015 at Harvard Law School. And when they called me, They gave me Dr. Charles Ogletree, who was a phenomenal guy. He gave me my fellowship, and they gave me my email, anorman at harvard.law.edu. I cried. Because they said I couldn't do it, Said it was impossible. I didn't call the homies and say, yo, y'all messed up. You bet on the wrong horse. I said, dude, I'm here, and I'm invited, and I'm welcome. What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? If I can get here, you can get wherever you want to. And I just kept working. I've been working, I've been working all the way through, and it was probably six years ago, every single day, you know me, I'm at somebody's door, talking to somebody's kid, talking to somebody's cousin, talking to somebody's husband or wife, I'm there every day, I wake up, because I know what it's like to not have, what drives me is I'm that guy that didn't have that person, who didn't have the time, I can't say no to that next kid because I'm tired, or I did 30 kids already, or 20 adults, no, that next kid is me, so I'm always going to show up.
1: Big thanks to Andre Norman for stopping by. You can connect with him and his work by visiting his website, andrenorman.com. And that is also his Instagram. And his most recent book is entitled Ambassador of Hope, Turning Poverty and Prison into a Purpose Driven Life. And I got this clip from YouTube. If you want to watch the entire talk, you can just search for from Prison Life Sentence to Harvard Professor Andre Norman. And I'll have the link to it as well, as well as all the links to connect with him and his work. They will all be in the show description below. So you can go check that out. And when you get a chance, please follow the show, share it, or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcast. As I always say, thank you so much for taking the time out to do that. And that is a wrap for me. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and I'll see you back here Friday. So until then, stay strong. Later.